Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys, Ryan here. You're probably wondering what this episode is. Well, this is one of my all-time favorite episodes from our friends over at the Alien Theorists Theorizing Podcast. When I'm not researching and creating new episodes of Somewhere in the Skies, I like to unwind with some comedy podcasts, and this is definitely one of those. But I can't quite give up the whole UFO thing either. So this is why I love listening to hosts Zell, Braden, Andrew, and Dan as they navigate their way through the UFO muck to bring forth some of the most compelling cases, people, and theories in ufology. Today, I'm dropping one of those episodes in the feed so that you can hear these guys in action. In this particular episode, you'll hear the incredible story of an alien that was shot dead at a military installation in New Jersey. Yes, for real. Apparently. I hope you enjoy this super fun podcast drop, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to Alien Theorists Theorizing. And to learn more, check out their link tree in the show notes. Once again, I hope you enjoy, and keep looking up. On September 23rd, 1980, UFO investigator Leonard Stringfield received a letter that claimed to be from a former military security guard who had witnessed a series of events that sounded like they had come straight out of a science fiction double feature. Under the pseudonym James Morse, the author of the letter would begin a years-long correspondence with Stringfield that culminated in an alleged documentation of military service members coming into direct and violent contact with an extraterrestrial. Morse claimed to have witnessed the final minutes of an unidentifiable creature that had reportedly been shot by security personnel on the grounds of Fort Dix in New Jersey. Morse's claims would fall in line with a book released in 2019 by a military intelligence officer who claimed to have been stationed on that same base and said they had interviewed a number of personnel who were involved in the events of January 18, 1978. This case file joined the theorists as they shoot first, shoot again, shoot one more time, start to ask questions, but then shoot a couple more times while discussing... The Fort Dix Xenocide. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 240, the Fort Dix McGuire Xenocide. Uh, we're calling it what it is, and that is straight up alien murder. Oh. Pr- police, police brutality. 
right? Alien life matter. All right. <laughs> a story that is, you know, all too familiar with the United States, and that's the sh- police shootings of minorities. And this one of the ultimate minority, aliens. Aliens. Space aliens. Anyways, I mean, to be honest real. with you, too, like, they did just describe him as brown and gray with a big head and long arms. That could be me. <laughs> short. Yeah. All right. That's, short. That sounds like they're describing me. Short. <laughs> describe him short. Long arms, big head, grayish brown. Depends. Depends, depends on the time of year. Is this winter? It year? was winter. Yeah. This is January. Day. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I'm, I get pretty gray in the winter. It sucks. Um, before we get into this, though, um, if you're listening to this, as a podcast, uh, this is ju- it's July first today, and that means our new merch store is launched. Uh, <laughs> our merch store, they'll add some cool effects right there. Boom! That's good. those are cool. Those are cool enough, man. I'm just gonna multiply. Yeah. I'm just gonna duplicate those and spread them across the stereo. Dan practiced that, didn't you, Dan? Uh, I do it all the so, time. <laughs> Guys, every month we're going to have new items up on the merch store. Uh, we don't have as much selection as we did before, but the stuff we have is cooler. Uh, and Quality at the end of the month, over quantity. Simple, yeah, simple mm-hmm. as that, right? It's gone. We're in for the final And things. then next month, there's going to be a new batch of stuff. But this month, if you head there right now, you can get the brand new Octo Jesus design. Uh, sick, Sweet. right? All hail. Treat, Octo yourself. Octo Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. To, uh, ask, ask me about Octa Jesus shirt. Uh, we've got Dan hat, the long requested Dan's hat. It's his hat that you're buying. It is. It's his hat. It's literally my hat. He, he puts on everyone. Hats. All the hats. He slightly sweats in every hat. We've got the keep those eyes on the skies five panel hat available. We've got a ladies old UFO retro design tank top. Uh, we've got um, the best of both worlds shirt, uh, surfer short, little uh, breast that says alien theorist theorizing with a little mermaid on the back. Big old best of both worlds, baby. Surf and turf. Uh, so check out our merch store. You can hit, find that at alientheorist.com. Uh, go down to the merch and you'll find it there. Only open July 1st. Better Only open. Just one day. That's it. Get all your merch right away. Treat yourself. And there, there'll be a couple surprise designs on there too for you. Um, by the time this is out and you're checking it out. There may so, or may uh, not be Braden's red ginch. <laughs> yeah, also, just a pair of ginch. Pair of ginch. Those, are, boys, those are cursed. Yeah. We've already discussed this. Well, this is why it's taking those. the merch store to take so long because I have to wear them all, right? <laughs> is that going to break on. them in? So hold on. Like, I didn't know you had a pair of red ginch. Get rid of them. Like, maybe you won't be the way you are if you don't wear red ginch. <laughs> and that would be great. Wait, what? Sorry, what? Oh, it's just all starting to make sense now. Um, you think the ginch makes the man? Yeah. No, it doesn't. Mm. Makes the curse. Tell you. No. Mind you, I think we're <laughs> the ones that are cursed in this scenario, but that's fine. Yeah. It might be that. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with me. You guys have to hang out with me. Uh, now, this is really awesome case file because it is exactly, yeah, someone said in the chat, they are in fact scratch and sniff when you order these red ginch. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. Uh, there's, hey, there's totally a whole bunch of different flavors, tutti frutti, tons. <laughs> Right, whatever you want. Sky train. Uh, this this case file is awesome though because it, it is straight up police murder an alien. That's what it is. That's what we're talking about here today. It's a it, an account of just can't say it any other way. 
police shoot and kill an innocent alien doing nothing wrong. Maybe intruding. Just maybe trespassing. trespassing. Might have been trespassing. trespassing. Right? right? But those are misdemeanors, base, baby. Boys. On a right? military those are base? Shoot to kill? I don't think so. On Fort Dix? I don't think, there, I don't think there's a shoot to kill order. Yeah, there was no. There were no non-lethal, uh, <laughs> non-lethal <laughs> measures deployed on this one. It was full, it was straight up murder. Uh, straight I'm, up I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. I'm outraged because Zell jumps the fence. Zell hovers over the fence tomorrow night. Stand on the r- runway, wrist slap, and a fine. I bet. Right? <laughs> Don't do that again. Little finger wag. Don't do that again. Right? This poor alien. Blasted. Um, to be fair though, Zell's almost blasted. translucent. They probably wouldn't even see it. Tough to hit me, at, especially at be night. Like floating clothes. Yeah. And that <laughs> glow of the runway lights. <laughs> floating clothes. <laughs> um the fucking uh what was that cryptid that we did with the Oh, oh the, the pants? Nightwalker? The, the Phantom Pants? The, the walking pants. Yeah. Night Stalker? Yeah. Night Stalker. Night Crawler. Night Crawler. Just Night Crawler. Floating clothes. <laughs> Fresno Nightcrawler. That's me. There you uh, go. There you go. Yeah. But yes. So, uh, yeah, if we're, t- we're talking about this, this is probably one of the few cases where you have an actual claim of a uh, shooting and killing, a retrieval of a body uh, of an extraterrestrial being. Uh, here, uh, as we mentioned before, it is this occurred in the uh, Fort Dix McGuire Joint Base. Uh, now, the first that this event probably made its way into the kind of the UFO uh, UFO world is when you had uh, the late Leonard Stringfield, who passed away in 1994 uh, after a long battle with lung cancer. Um, he published a paper called "The Fatal Encounter at Fort Dix." Uh, Dash McGuire, a case study. Um, and he was writing this paper uh, for a 1985 MUFON uh, conference. So Stringfield received the original details of this, of this account. Uh, in a on a fo- napkin. <laughs> Maybe it might have been. It was a written account, um, which he received in a letter in September on September 23rd of 1980. Now, the letter, uh, when it was sent to uh, Stringfield, was authored by a uh, James Morse, which was a pseudonym. And this, this James Morse, yep. the, the one thing I'll add to that is that a lot of accounts do say Jeff. Jeff yeah, Morris. there is there is some right? yeah, when we go in there we might we might use James and Jeff interchangeably because there there are kind of well there's kind of two different accounts that kind of corroborate with each other but one uh James is James Morse that I just referred to Well it comes is, down to this if you want to sound credible you use James Morse and if you want to sound like an idiot you use Jeff <laughs> What I don't understand though like we know it's a pseudonym James Morse man like come on <laughs> like what the fucking Max Power or Cock Diesel or some shit like that? Like, come on, you can just pick whatever you diesel. want. Yeah, motherfucking Cock, Cock Diesel. diesel. Yeah, if, I mean, yeah, if you're gonna choose yeah. a pseudonym, you know, you yeah. Can- My name's Cock Diesel, and I work on Fort Dix. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an '80s um, porn script in the making right now. Absolutely. So uh, James Moore's claimed to be a security officer on McGuire at the time of the events that took place uh, on the date in question. So um, 
1983, after frequent correspondence with Morse, uh, Stringfield, uh, Morse actually contacted Stringfield for the first time by phone and provided actual names and ranks of people who were involved in the incident. And he even sent Stringfield an alleged photocopy of an official document, a DD-1569 incident complaint report that he cited as evidence supporting his claims for what happened that night. I mean, that's, that's that would be have to be pretty interesting that you're like, you're researching ufos and you have this guy who's like he's like you're like oh hey what you're telling me is pretty cool and he's like well i also have like here's some evidence to back it up for you like you can dig into this here's some stuff like for me it's like this is a adds another layer to this thing where it's like because if someone just tells a story it's like well i believe them or or not right but if they're giving you physical copies of stuff be like this is supporting evidence that i'm giving you to me, I'm like, if that person's a hoaxer, like you're now giving that person evidence that they can then look and verify and then go, well, you, why would you give me this? You're full of shit. Like, I know it. So it's like, it's interesting for him to get, like, actually hand over this, what he's claiming is ev- evidence, right? Cause that's a, it's a bold mood one way or another, right? It, it just, to me, it, it, do we know brings, what it says like, on you, it? Like, do we know what the instrument, like, do we know? It's any- just a, it, yeah, it's just crayon drawing of what happened. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a standard form. I looked up at like the there's kind of like a modern version of it, but the the actual legitimate form of it used to be on the, the like the only place that I could really find it was um, there was a uh, the NIDS website. We'll talk about them later. NIDS comes into play. Mm. Uh, Robert Bigelow's uh, National Institute for Discovery of Science. They come into play later, but they had an actual. They said they had an actual copy or the original like. The document that had been submitted to Stringfield. Now, when Stringfield got this, all of this information, you know, was going through, um, you know, the, the, the entire events and, and the interviews that he had the, from Morse, um, he was kind of, he was still on the fence as to whether he thought that Morse could be taken as a legitimate source. Like he wasn't, he was kind of ambivalent towards it. He wasn't really like 100% sold on it. It's so, just, he's, well, as, as you rightly should, like looking at this, that so you're like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's before I just go ahead and start uh, screaming that, you know, I found real evidence here, right? Like he, he's, he's putting his reputation on the line too. So he wants to like, he wants to verify this information before he just, you know, relays it. And so enter Richard Hall, who is the former NICAP deputy director and a veteran UFO investigator, uh, who got an, a chance to interview Morse as well and found him to be a credible source of information. So Stringfield would go ahead and reveal that story at the 1985 MUFON conference. And then Hall would actually later include Morse, a lot of Morse's information and his account in his book, The UFO Evidence, a 30-year report, which he was at volume two, which he published in 2001. <laughs> Right. Now, another facet of the story would later reappear uh, in, or would appear to be featured in a book that was released in 2019, and rather recently, uh, by John L. Guerra, which was a, it's titled Strange Craft, The True Story of an Air Force Intelligence Officer's Life with UFOs. Yeah. So the, life with it should have been life with the guilt of murder. Xenocide. <laughs> <laughs> well, the... Um, uh, the actual the actual event that we're referring to the Fort Dix uh, McGuire event is actually just a small part of the book and the book actually covers a lot of experiences by retired Air Force Major George Filer the um, third during his actual military career 
um, had him. He had UFO encounters, uh, himself, like, uh, aside from the, uh, you know, in addition to the actual being stationed at, um, uh, the, the station at the base, the McGuire Air Force Base, when the events occurred, the events in question occurred. So, um, it, but, but, but part of this is he was stationed at the, as part of the intelligence officer of the 21st Air Force Military Airlift Command. And he was the one who was in charge of the briefings. Uh, so he's like, he had the same information as Morse. Him and, him and Morse was stationed on kind of both sides of the fence of the, both the Fort Dix and the McGuire Air Force Base that kind of sit together. So now the the event in question occurred on January 18th of 1978. So in 1978, Fort Dix was home to the U.S. Army ground operations, while McGuire, which sat on the other side of a fence uh, from Fort Dix, hosted the U.S. Air Force 21st Air Force Military Airlift Command. Now, uh, from, from Filer, Filer was actually... 43 years old at this time. Um, and he would leave his home at about 3 a.m. in that he, morning. Just, just to interject here, he goes on to have one of the best websites of all time, Filers Files. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> the best name for a website. Awesome. <laughs> like, what, guy's a genius. I got, I got a quick uh, question about this, about the, about the bases. Is this a standard thing to have like a army base and an air force base, like bordering on the fence? Can they, can they go, can they cross the border? Does their IDs work in each other's bases or are they completely separate? Uh, you would have, I mean, they have different areas of operation, so they're going to have either one on it. It's, it's, it's each base has its own security force. So you can't really like, you wouldn't be able to kind of like, uh, perform like any duties on the other side of the base. You wouldn't like exchange personnel or anything. Did you pop uh, over for a potluck? Like I mean, you could probably go over there, but there's not like you would be, um, you know, they just don't want you to be where you're not supposed to be. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they I feel like they the Air Force Base is shirt, gonna, like shirtless or anything. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, over I feel like the, the Air Force Base will end up being like every Saturday. Yeah, sure. Or, Fucking Eagleton to Pawnee, you know what I mean? Like all the fucking snooty guys are over at the Air Force Base. Oh, uh, I feel like they all the have United scarves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, generally in the uh, generally in the United States military or armed armed services, the uh, the Air Force is usually kind of um, <clears throat> seen as the well, people refer to them as the chair force um, since it's mostly desk jobs or seems like that way, anyways. So why so, why do I get all those sweet ass fucking code names then? I well I. Technically, well, if then you're you talking got about like Top Gun, with a well, Top Gun is those are Navy. His nickname's Hangman. Oh, <laughs> Navy pilots. They're not Air oh, Force. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, I'm sure the Air, Air Force has their own pilot. They have their own names as well. So <laughs> <laughs> code name Milton, like you yeah. said, Hilbert. So uh, you have you have a uh, filer. Uh, saying that reporting that he left his home at about 3 a.m. and was driving towards McGuire uh, to go ahead and start his day because his uh, his task usually was at 8 a.m. to kind of uh, brief his bosses on the goings on in the base. He would go on about 3 a.m. He'd get there. He'd collect reports from all the people who were on watch or whatever, and then he would brief the, the you know the commander of the base every morning at about 8 a.m. So, <clears throat> but this time. This morning, he noticed a, a kind of strange thing, something out of the ordinary. He saw the red and blue emergency lights flashing in the distance near the Fort Dix uh, fence line. Cherries and berries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So this was something that was extremely out of the ordinary, and um, and Filer was kind of keen to figure out what was going on. Yeah, at I the guarantee time. you, you're driving up. You're like, "Fuck, yeah. what's going on?" <laughs> it's pretty much. Um, I I know the feeling. I've I've come on watch and been like, "What the fuck?" Like alarms going off and stuff, and like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like this is gonna be a bunch of paperwork or whatever. You're gonna have to write a bunch of reports. Yeah, you're um, like, I don't want to see anything. <laughs> uh, so the first person he he. Uh, he wanted to get in contact with was the senior master sergeant. So the senior master sergeant on the base is the one who kind of keeps the everything organized according to him, you know, staff schedules, uh, making sure everything down to the phones and the faxes that are up and running and pretty much anybody who's sleep sweeping the floors like that is what his job was. So Filer met with the senior master sergeant to figure out, you know, what the fuck is going on. And, uh, it, according to Filer, uh, this is kind of his quote is saying that he was agitated. His face was pale. His eyes were wide open. And then he said the strangest thing. So straight up, this is a quote from, uh, from Filer saying that Buckle the up. senior master sergeant told him an alien has been shot at Fort Dix oh. and they found it at the end of our, referring to the McGuire Air Force Base runway. So something, an alien has been shot. It's been found, was shot at the other base and they found the body deceased on the runway of the other base. Like he's probably sitting there like, uh, what? What? So, so finally, I mean, fuck, I'd be, I'd be nonplussed at this point because I'd be like, it's, it's three in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> like it's three thirty at most, maybe four, and you'd have somebody telling that that's an alien. So you know, George George tries to clarify at this point. Um, you know, that Where, somebody hey, just told him it is. He's like, what country so, is he from? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he, quotes, <laughs> or he recalls saying that was it an alien from another country, like a Mexican or something? <laughs> is this Mexican. New Jersey though? Like this is Jersey. This, is, yeah, this, this isn't fucking. What kind yeah. of? How's he getting? It should have been. How's he like a Canadian how's an alien or something from fucking Mexico and Jersey? He's been running a long way. Yeah, a long way. <laughs> they didn't catch him till <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, uh, imagine that he jumps about, the border, they, makes his way all the way to New Jersey, and then immediately goes to a, a military military base. base even though Jersey. there was, even though there was probably thousands on the way, he's just like, no, I've always wanted to see the inside of Fort Dix. <laughs> That's where the secrets are. Now it makes me want to, what are they hiding in Fort Dix? So the senior master sergeant was, uh, you know, went ahead and clarified. He said, no, it was from outer space, a space alien. <laughs> um, and he also reported uh, also that there, there had been a number of UFOs that night. He relayed to, to Filer that there had been strange occurrences uh, before Filer even arrived, uh, like during, during the, the wee hours of the morning, probably around, I think it was around midnight or 11 PM. They had, uh, UFOs actually buzzing around the air force, but around the, the joint bases, uh, in patterns. That's what they reported to. Him. Now, see, like when you hear that bit, like when you hear that bit, like these UFOs are buzzing around in patterns, like, man, it's like, that is not far off of like what we've reported, what the government now has said has happened. And, Right. We, mm. we just had the first congressional hearing on UFOs. I'm like, it would be so cool for something like this to be brought up in like in one of the next ones of like, because they're talking about like military disclosure. And we've had people ask questions about various other like, uh, what's the Malmstrom they Malmstrom. asked about yeah. in the last one? Malmstrom, yeah. All right. So, if, you know, this is not far off where someone could be like, well, we've heard reports of there's UFOs and one potentially being shot. Can we look into that? Right. Like we, if there's reports, they might be somewhere. Right of uh, of what happened at this base, even if not if even if they've wiped off 
everything else to do with the murder or anything. Perhaps there's still reports of, you know, around this time, UFO consistently buzzing the space. And Does so, this base hold <laughs> nuclear weapons? And do we no, know that? I, I, I didn't even look so. that up. Not that's public knowledge, so. at least. No, those are all in uh, Victoria. <laughs> Nanaimo. Nanaimo. <laughs> Nanaimo. American nukes are in Nanaimo because we don't have any. None. So George went on with doing his job and had to go ahead and start interviewing everyone who was involved uh, with this base. Now, the Fort Dix Army base next door to McGuire Air Force Base has its own security guard. So they kind of conducted their own own he's, thing. He's um, like, what happened over here? He's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go get paid to sit on your ass. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Army George, for life. <laughs> uh, George claims that he was the only Air Force investigator to interview witnesses and to compile an actual report uh, of, on the day that this event occurred. Now, when the when the alien was claimed to have been shot, uh, it was said to have been shot by an Army security guard on the secu- on the Fort Dix property so on the fort dick side and then the alien had actually they said reported had either run and either jumped the fence or went under the fence out onto the mcguire property where this where they had found the actual body of this reported extraterrestrial being so um Filer reported that he called the security <laughs> duty officer who confirmed like, that this alien had been found. Fucking McGuire's problem now. <laughs> um, uh, when when talking to the security de- duty officer, uh, the, the he confirmed, according to uh, according to Filer, uh, that this this the dead alien body had been found by a McGuire security policeman, and the duty officer told him that the alien had been shot on Fort Dix. Um, and then they had found, they had tracked this wounded alien, uh, for as far as they could until they found it out near like an abandoned, one of the abandoned airstrips, uh, on the base. So, uh, Filer is also able to compile reports from the, from the radar tower. Uh, and he had gotten reports from operators there that had been actually been tracking those UFOs that he had gotten, uh, reports of, uh, that had started around 2 a.m. that morning. And then, they had even said that they had reported actual visual confirmation of the craft uh, and that they had reported that these craft were actually disc shaped. This was a lot. So, to, this, wait, this was a lot to process. We should stop here for a second. Yeah. So they have sightings of a UFO or you have multiple yep. UFOs. Yeah. And there's an alien on the ground. Yes. Like by, one alien by himself. Seemingly by himself. And they shoot him. That's what's reported. So this is fucking crazy. <laughs> this has never happened in all yeah, the case just, files we've talked about. No, that they so, open I mean, fire the on a live extraterrestrial or what they think is extraterrestrial. What if it well, wasn't? They, they just killed someone. Some rat, true. some kid or something running across the fucking tarmac. It's the seventies, man. Like. In- it got pretty nuts at some point. Like you had army MPs pursuing these craft in their pickup trucks. Yeah. Like they, they would have sounded some sort of alarm before because they were like, they were scrambling to like pursue these things. They saw them in the skies. They're like, what the fuck are these things? There's something in the sky. They're racing around. Um, like following these things around Fort Dix, like 
chasing them. That's wild. So right. one of these one of these pickup trucks, uh, shortly after three a.m., uh, had actually realized apparently it was as reported by a Fort Dix MP that was involved in it. Um, he report, he realized that there was a UFO above their truck, directly above their truck. And it was right near where the fence separating between Fort Dix and McGuire. So the MP as said reported that he exited his vehicle, looked up at the hovering UFO. And then when he looked back down, he realized that there was a short humanoid humanoid figure stepping into the pickup truck's headlights, where the light, where the headlights were pointed. So we're talking. We got, yeah. we got a little gray. We got a short gray. Yep. On the base. Right. The, like the description of it is like big head, short, you know, gray, gray brownish skin, gray. Little, brownish gray skin, like skinny arms, like the stereotypical, like what you hear people. Gray. gray. This guy's looking up at this UFO that has been buzzing their base. It's now above He's his truck. He looks chances. up. He looks down and boom, he's, he's now face to face, you know, I don't know how far away, but like it's in the headlights. He's like, holy shit. There's fucking like you would immediately when you saw this thing, you'd be like, oh my, it's an alien, like alien. Obviously it's an alien. And then you've just been buzzing UFOs. Yeah. (laughs) Get rid of it. Well, the MP seemed to fall back on his training and went to the, to the first thing. He, he ordered the intruder to freeze, you know, not, I'm sure he wasn't sure whether it was a, a human or what was going on, but he went straight into, you know, security mode and did what he thought, you know, followed the book at this point being the, he ordered it to freeze. Um, and so it's reported that the MP kind of like in, when he was talked with later, interviewed later, um, he his goal was to arrest this intruder and he was going to take him to the Fort okay. Dick security office. That's what should have happened, I guess. Like yeah. <laughs> if this were a nor- if this were normal um under normal circumstances, yeah. like this is what would have happened. But when this humanoid figure walked toward the MP or, or toward him? somehow ignored yeah. the oh, warning f- that he was given the MP felt obliged to. Oh yeah, open it's been fire. revoked. It's been revoked it's been for sure. Yeah. Revoked. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So this keep the, the, the MP MP's yelling at him like, "Hands up! Turn around! Stop! Like all the commands! Freeze! Yeah. Don't move!" Yeah. And he obviously a little bit of a language barrier. Bit I of assume. a language barrier. <laughs> this this motherfucker might not even have ears. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's just walking. Right. Yeah. And so right. the uh, yeah the MP opened fire and fired upon this this extraterrestrial being five times is what's reported five times five shots he didn't, pop, shots he didn't pop him to the knee just, and say there's no yeah there was a warning shot there was no warning shot <laughs> picture like just picture that scene in your head for a second though like these ufos are buzzing it's middle january it's cold as fuck it's like it's super dark right january super dark month it's pitch black out there you are face to face with this little humanoid this alien like you you would instantly recognize this as you're like this is a fucking alien right in front of me well in the it's headlights. the 70s though like what exactly like i think close encounters came out recently but other than that like what what examples of short and grace did we the, have around this time 
the only the only non-believer the like the only part of the story that I don't believe for a second was that he then pulled his pistol. Motherfucker had that pistol out when those things were over his head. Oh, without absolutely. a doubt. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. I, I think there I was actually recognized that they right did fire alien, at the they did fire at the craft. I don't know if it was him specifically, yeah. but there were I think there were reports of them actually firing at the craft at some point. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you got your shots. gun out and you're yelling at this thing, right? Because at this point, like you know, it's like if anyone's ever had been face to face with a, an animal that you're yelling at, like if you've ever had an encounter with a black bear or anything where you're yelling at it and you're raising your hand or anything. And that black bear takes that first couple steps towards you because it doesn't know which way you're going to go. Your heart stops a little when you're like, oh, no, this isn't working. Like he's not going the other way. I, I was told he would leave when I did this. If I yell, hey, bear, he's supposed to run away. Yeah. And you've got this gun at this little thing and it's now just cruising towards you. I mean, how how long do you wait? To so, anyways, I start blasting. <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah, <laughs> it, instantly. Like, I might have not even waited that long to be honest. No, if, I probably no. would have been too scared. It was the worst. Oh, let's be honest, this is New Jersey. You add another one to the Hudson. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> like, come on. Right? Yeah. Hey, by the sounds of it, he was light, right? You could just yeah, exactly. whip him in there. So many shoes, man. Right? He dissolved in an hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so there's a report that the MP panicked and fired five rounds from his 45 into the thing, the extra, referring to the extraterrestrial, and then actually one round into the object above. So uh, oh, he's just for good measure, bang, 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 and for you, bang. <laughs> and tell your friends, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was reported by Rick Murray, who wrote a, uh, a June 10, 2007 article for the Trentonian newspaper that kind of reported that provided details from a witness who is familiar with the events that that happened Dude, let's so, not just forget we just forgot it i just want to emphasize that you shoot this thing five times bang you bang, shoot it five bang, times bang, and it bang. just runs away yeah and jumps the fence you're just like <laughs> i don't even know what i do i would just i'd be yeah, i cheated the ship too right after <laughs> it makes it, it logically it makes sense uh now george Filer never had the the never got access to the actual MP that fired on the extraterrestrial. I thought they um, had, never had I a chance they had to video footage him. of that though, didn't they? Do we watch tapes? I think there is actually some tape, some videotape of it. Let's see if I can find that right now. I think it goes a little something like this. human i am Glisnorp. i come in peace hey yo oh, oh. stop resisting eh? uh, you a human you shot me in the arm all right all right hey, hey listen here spaceman it's pretty dark out all right i thought you had a gun all right so just i don't think it's fatal it's one shot whatever all right i need hey, you to well, freeze hey i need you to we, freeze we still come in peace i would like from my world to yours. I'm, hey, uh, Spaceman! Uh, hey, you threatening me? Huh? Uh, you threatening me? Now listen here, Spaceman. All right. You shot you shot uh, me in the glebe sack. All right, now That's listen right here. That's right where the human heart would be. Luckily right, for I me. I understand this. I need you to uh, I need you to be uh, quiet for a second. I need you to freeze. Uh, but I also need you to reach into your pocket and grab your ID, all right? 
I told you not to move, I told you not to move. Human, I my species doesn't feel pain. But all right, all right. Listen, why spaceman. aren't my legs working? You're gonna be okay. I can't now listen here. Legs. Listen here, spaceman. I need you What's to crawl. What's happening to me? I need you to crawl over to your ship there and grab your license for registration. All right. Luckily for but me, don't move. Don't move, spaceman. <laughs> all right, all right. You got the right to remain. You got the right. Oh shit, spaceman, are you dead? Oh, man. It's a real shame, spaceman. You decided to travel all this way with all that drugs in your hands here, huh? So we're going to go ahead and give you some of this, huh? Hey, boys, I don't know what's going on over here. I think this guy took some bath salts. He went crazy. He took my gun. <laughs> Very accurate. I'd say so. <laughs> so you sh- he shot him five times. Then he framed him with drugs just in case. Wait, space, he had space rocks on space him. Rocks. Yeah, space rocks. <laughs> space meth. Okay. He had space meteoroids. Meth. Space meth, right? Uh, Checks out. He told he told him to freeze. Yeah, he, told he, him he to did follow instructions. And he kept He's coming forward. Freezing. Come on. That's four more shots. <laughs> yeah. He's just following training. I mean, listen, five shots couldn't kill Tupac. All right. He probably thought he was no. tough enough to take five shots. One shot too many in this case. Yeah, probably. In the Glebe sack. Yeah. Uh, so so after taking a shot to the Glebe sack, this this extraterrestrial either ran under the fence or climbed over it. Uh, you know, after leaving the site. <laughs> it was under. Because his, his legs were limp. Because uh, he got <laughs> he was paralyzed, paralyzed. And he was just he was just trucking on his two little front, right? But he's light, so he can still move fast, right? His lower body's really, pretty light. Really quick. So his upper body can still pull it really... So he slithered away like a snake real quick. There uh, was a report that he was greasy. <laughs> uh, so directly directly following um, the MP shooting this creature... Uh, that's how they found him. They Five followed times. the slug trail. <laughs> uh, so... so I mean, we have to emphasize that it started at Fort... Like, the the account starts on Fort Dix. So they shot him on the Fort Dix property, and then it moved over onto McGuire's base. It moved it somewhere onto the McGuire property. Just before we uh, get to the other side of the fence, we're going to take a short break, grab a beer, and we'll be... There's lots more to There's this lots coming up. We'll be right back. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just so you guys are clear, I uh, I made up Glebe Sack. I don't know if that's any... Like that's, like, no, I'm a medical professional. It sounds right. Glebe Sack sounds right. I don't right. know if that's part of the autonomy. Of an alien, but I just wanted to make you show like the gleam socks like on the bottom of their chin, I believe. Atomy? What did I say? Anatomy? You said autonomy. anatomy. It's anatomy. Autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I've been really struggling with words in the heat. All right. <laughs> in the heat. Okay. Yeah. Just in the yeah. heat. Not well, I, I feel like I was pretty good through the winter. Oh, so when it gets mm. when your brain gets a little hotter, you just lose it. That's what you're saying. Yeah, there was another word difficult. just recently. What was the other one? Posthumously or whatever. <laughs> Well, that was not a word I've What's ever it? really heard before, and you just pull it out of nowhere. Posthumously, is that how do I say it? Posthumously, yeah. I is fucked it up like, once. T- one like time, too, and Dan gave me a fucking. You're like dead, right? That's yeah. your dead. Well, after yeah. you, it's something that happens after, after, you you after you die. After you die. Yeah. Po- po- what is it? Posthumously. Yeah. Posthumously. Would you call yeah. it posthumously? Yeah, I, I, po- I said like posthumously. Okay, well, because you're reading it, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a <laughs> technically. You remember? Like, if you think about it, you're not funny when you're dead. So. Oh, you know of uh, sometimes dead people fart <laughs> and stuff. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, where were we? Alien places, shot. So. This is, crawls, we, got, we got a lot more to go through this case. Alien gets shot. <laughs> it crawls under the fence, and that's where we left off. Yeah. We don't know Screaming what happened. Screaming in it. pain with its lifeless lower body. Um, Limp lower body. Can't ride. It's a wounded animal, basically. Oh, yeah. Trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Literally. Uh, up until this point, we've been going off of the uh, the account of George Filer. So all the kind of the events that were leading up to this, he went off of George's kind of uh, George's reports, which came out later. Like uh, George Filer actually didn't actually put his kind of his part of the story down on paper until probably like the two thousands or so. Um, the the but we have known about the um, the Stringfield account, which he got from. Jeff or James Morse, uh, it comes in right here. So, uh, at the time, should I refer to it? James Morse? That's more professional, right? So James Morse, mm, right. Uh, James Morse was actually, uh, you know, a security guard on duty and he was sent by the dispatch by his security commander to go out to gate number five on the base, uh, to let in a state trooper who, uh, who had been called in. Uh, and told Morse that someone had been shot on the Fort Dix side and had jumped the fence onto the McGuire side of, and to the McGuire property. So the trooper was obliged to follow Morse's vehicle, uh, to the fence line. And the two got out and began searching the area, uh, with their flashlights. Now it was the state trooper and Morse together when, uh, that found the actual humanoid figure and, um, Depending on who you ask, there's still, I think there's a little bit of kind of wiggle room about what actually position. So one was either the creature was either kneeling in death about to die or it was sprawled out on its back. So there's still kind of, there, there's a little bit of, um, 
Yeah. Both both are pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> Not a happy tale. Uh, but it, if it was kneeling uh, in death, it was it was dead um, uh, when they found it. Now, after the trooper, um, you know, once they had gone and, and radioed it in, uh, I guess the Morse told. Uh, Let's see, who was he talking to? He was talking to Filer at this point. So Filer said that Morse told him that he actually radioed the security command post at McGuire and told his supervisor and said, hey, there's a body out here. We found hey, it. Hey, there's a body out here. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the security commander then told Morse to go ahead and put the trooper on the phone and, or on the radio. And Morse's supervisor went ahead and told the state trooper that the matter was now under Air Force jurisdiction and that McGuire would handle it. Yeah, get out of here, you fucking statey. <laughs> Kick rocks, nerds. Now, after the trooper left, Morse was left alone with the body of this entity. Um, he's just chilling. He's just like, uh, yeah, I think selfie with it. I, I think I think he took measures to kind of just to, to pervert, like to preserve the crime scene. I think he was kind of putting around tape and doing what he was kind of trained to do. I imagine, I imagine, because of all the radio chatter about what had just transpired, that I bet at this point in time when the state trooper is like told to leave, and he's standing there. There's, I bet, I can almost guarantee there's like this moment of like there's a couple minutes where it's just silent for him and he's just like fuck now i'm just waiting i'm waiting for to do what really to do. Like, what should I do? doesn't get up yeah so he's like all right well i guess it's a crime scene i guess i'll maybe i'll rope i'll rope some shit off i guess i'll i'll, I'll put up some rope i'll try to look busy as i'm waiting for the other foot to drop here it's yeah, Chaco, I'm sure they but... told him just to, you know, fucking sit tight and wait, you know, <laughs> he stand outlined by and it. wait, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hurry up and wait. Uh, so after the trooper left um, and Morris reported that he, after staying alone with his body, he kind of remarked about having uh, an ammonia smelling uh, scent that was kind of like, it wasn't constantly in the air, but it seemed to be emanating up from the body, the body. of this creature. That's interesting. So it's like either the blood or whatever is coming out of it is um, like smells of ammonia. Well, they never described any blood. Well, no, but I'm I'm just saying, case okay, so whatever weird. holes are in this thing, it's like ammonia is seemingly like wafting right. out, or some kind of accelerated decomposition. Could or, be something weird, or you know? could be something like that. Like we we like Andrew said, you fart when you die. We let out methane, right? This thing's ammonia farts. Or maybe some maybe. people talk about the short grays maybe not being biological at all, and it's some type of android, and it's like the fluid inside of it, and it's not bleeding, oh, not bleeding, it's not bleeding. And it took five shots, and it crawled away on it. <laughs> like most people, you, huh. you, even if you get you get shot in the spinal cord, even if you're not paralyzed in the arms, like you're not moving, like you're, you know, it's psychologically hurt. The fish shot hit the, the microprocessor. <laughs> yeah. So maybe. <laughs> Maybe that because some people say like, oh, if they are some type of android or like they're like, I dig that. It's almost like a drone technology, right? Yeah, I dig it. Boom. Because then say they are sending them through space linear, like not say not through wormholes and not through some type of teleportation or subspace or whatever. How they're actually sent. They put them in a ship and they took 5000 years to get here because they're androids. They don't age. And maybe that's what it is. And maybe that's just what they think humans look like. So they're like, oh, this thing will blend in. Oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah. 
close enough. shot five times. <laughs> they're like, put it on the base. Yeah. He's standing in the headlight. <laughs> yeah. And they still shoot. He's like, oh no, abort. abort. Make it run. <laughs> there's some guy, there's some alien in the spaceship playing QWOP. What, remember that game? <laughs> that stupid running game where you try to control the legs on the keyboard. And they just couldn't <laughs> work it yet. You can't get more than like six feet. <laughs> uh, so Morse is out there guarding the body. And so now we check off another box of the, uh, the classic alien encounter is that you had, uh, he reported that you had a bunch of guys in blue military fatigues and blue berets, as he recalls, uh, arrive in a C-141, which is a rather, it's a large cargo plane, military cargo plane. And he indicated that this had, he, he had some inkling that this, this plane had arrived from Wright Patterson. Air Force Base, which is just a hop Interesting. over the mountain. Interesting. There. <laughs> I found that I, I, you know, I won't get into it too much because we're going to talk about it, and then I'll touch on it then. But this part, really, based on some previous case files we've talked about, really tied in for me. Now, uh, Morse Morse reported that these these personnel that showed up. Um, you know, he, he wasn't really familiar with their, you know, their insignias or anything, or seemed to have any idea of kind of who they are other than that they were in military fatigues and we know who they are (laughs) wearing these blue berets. We know who they are. We know Um, who they are. Uh, pretty much told him you can. 70s, 70s. You know who's wearing blue berets in the 70s. Absolutely. God damn it, Jim. What are we doing here? God damn it, Jim. He's been on ice all night. We had to speed things up. We have a new buyer. We got it. God damn it, Jim. We got a buyer already. God damn it, Jim. They came in and beat all the other offers. God damn it, Jim. You're not talking about that goddamn lunatic with that oldest tractor, are you? God damn it, Jim. That guy's tied up in Minnesota right now. God damn it, Jim. We're not talking about that son of a bitch. We're not selling this thing to that son of a bitch, Rick Dyer. He's not going to cover this thing in possum furs and call it Littlefoot as he traveled around the continental U.S. He's he's not going to do that like he did with that reptilian we sold him. God damn it, Jim. We're not making that mistake again. Fool me once. Shame on, shame on him. God damn it, Jim. Don't tell me we're selling it to that gorilla grip male gigolo Robert Bigelow. God damn it, Jim. I'm still missing some skin. But no. Listen, Jim, we got a buyer in Chile. In Chile, we're selling it to the South Americans. God damn it, Jim. I'm talking bigger than that. I'm talking Arab money. God damn it, Jim. We're getting that Saudi prince gas money. God damn it, Jim. He came in with $65. You want to know? Put it over the top. A Pepsi. Uh, a Pepsi? Two Pepsi. Just one, Jim. Jim. Two, Jim. God damn it, Jim. You're a national hero. You're you're gonna go down as one of the greatest blue berets of all time, Jim. God damn it! Just out of curiosity, how much is this op- little operation costing the taxpayers? God damn it, Jim! It costs taxpayers three point six five million. God damn it, Jim! It's a write-off. You're a though. genius. God damn write-offs! You got to spend the budget to make the budget, Jim. Absolutely. <laughs> it's basically what happened. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, that's what happened. Uh, so Morris was told by these blue berets to pretty much back off, and and given the instruction <laughs> to go ahead and leave, uh, take his leave, and that they were going to kind of handle this and whatever. So um, 
Morse didn't feel like he really had to leave, so he moved back some distance and he but he didn't leave the area. So Morse actually observed the operations that were just going chilling. on. Well, as you would. Yeah. I was like, if no one told me directly to leave, I'd be like, all right, well, I'm just gonna stand over here. Yeah. And and plus like, it's like I don't think anybody had arrived from his act from actual McGuire to kind of tell him to kind of, you know, fuck off. It was just like, I'm just gonna stand over here, I'm still doing my job because if I leave here, then you know, if something happens, I'm gonna be in trouble. <laughs> What's Morse's rank? Um, I I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it's still he was just security guard or one of these. So he's guys. a security guard. But why the still- fuck? Why the fuck does this guy have any idea if Bright Force Patterson Air Base whatever are sending guys to come pick something up? So like, I think why, he had heard. Why would over he the be radio? in the know for this? That makes I, no sense to me. It. Like I think he's he a, kind of heard over the radio, kind of the the squawking over the radio. You don't think they'd be keeping guys. where this fucking alien body's going? Pretty fucking hush hush though. Is that some rando security guards like, oh, these guys must be going right, right Force Patterson or whatever. I, well, I mean, well, if it were, Wright on. Patterson is still like it's a functional airbase, so I mean, it's like it still Absolutely. does other things. It's just kind of be yeah, like, but still, <laughs> but they, you know, they're taking the body there. Would they not want to fucking hide that and keep that hush? Well, maybe they didn't. Well, maybe they didn't bring it there. Maybe they said they're going to bring it there to throw you off the trail, and they actually brought it. Maybe somewhere that else. would make sense. I don't I don't know. They brought it to S four. <laughs> That's what I mean. Uh, I like, just, I think, I just imagine in this pandemonium, you have this because, like, he. Morse says that these guys show up and like they have some shit. They like come, they're spraying it with some like garden sprayer. They're spraying some clear chemicals all over the body. They like they they're wrapping it in sheets. They're boxing it up like there is some serious like contain like containment shit going on in front of him. So it's like it. You know, yeah, of course, things smell bad. In this, like, in, this pan- in this pandemonium of like, they're obviously this is all happening quick. This is a fluid situation. So if these things, if if they're like, we have a body, you need to come get it now. Maybe in this in this like pandemonium of trying to like, they've shot a fucking alien on the base, and this pandemonium is set in that maybe over the radio they're like. Uh, a plane's coming in from right patty right now to for pickup and 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 contamination like i i don't i don't see that out of the realm of possibilities and i'll get into a little more they slip in is what you're saying yeah uh yeah so like brayden said all of this happened within a, a relatively short amount of time now you had the booberets kind of wrap up the the, the body in uh the, the worst reported plastic sheeting was kind of deployed you had a uh, wooden crate put around it and then that wooden crate was kind of put in you know russian nesting doll style nesting doll style inside of an aluminum what seemed to be like an aluminum box about the size of a military casket according to no see the one thing the other thing too is like you know him saying that they they use like a garden sprayer to coat the alien body with clear liquid. To me, I'm like one, like what do you guys think that would have been? And like, doesn't that seem to you like they've obviously done this before? Because well, like, if you're spraying, like you, you don't, if this is an alien body and you're spraying it, like you don't know what's that going to do to the body. Right. So obviously it's something to preserve it. I would imagine to slow down right? the, but, the, the decomposition. But maybe, but maybe that's because they've had bodies before, so they know that's not going to affect. Because you don't, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen to it when you spray it with anything on Earth, right? Like you, you they could have sprayed it with this liquid and it just melted, and they would have been like, "Oh, oh shit. shit, what just happened?" Like it's so rushed to me, like how fast this all like is reported to happening. It make it makes me like when I first read this, I thought. It sounds like they know what they're doing for this situation. Well, how like many encounters have we had before this? We've had Roswell. How many other things have we had before? How many 74? do we know about? That's well, the yeah. question. Like we've had, we 
We've had some. I'm sure they've got experience. I'd imagine they have some type of fucking highly trained team to go recover fucking UFO bodies. All that type of shit at this point. And knocking them out of the sky left and right. They go spray this formaldehyde preservative all over them and bring them back to uh, Hangar 18. Suspend them in the pink jelly. Oh, yeah. Let's go to it again. They sprayed it in in clear liquid. They wrap it in a plastic sheeting of some kind. They built a wooden crate around it. Then they put the wooden crate into an aluminum box. They put that box the in size box. of a military casket. Right? Yep. They're preserving the body. Yep. And then they loaded it into an ambulance. And drove it to the C-141 that was waiting uh, some distance away to go ahead and take it take it off, assuming, assumedly, I guess, back to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. What's a, is, now, a C, wait, so is a C-141 like a transport? Craft? Yeah, it's a cargo plane. It's like cargo a cargo plane? Starliner? It's like, like a, a one of those like a big like huge it's a body. Big, it's a big plane. It's like not transport it's not tanks and shit or what? Yeah, C one thirty. Why say one forty one? E one forty one. Dude, yeah, honestly, yeah. it's a star lifter. Oh, it's, it's a pretty it's, big. It's yeah. a big fucker. <laughs> it's interesting to me that they take off to right Patty because we know that like you know some people call that Area fifty two, and it's like that's home to the Foreign Technologies Division, right? Where the like back in World War Two, who all they did was reverse engineer like shit they found. And we, we talked about it on the Wright Patterson air force base that like, if there was a down crash at that time of Roswell stuff, you probably would have brought it to these people that are reverse engineering foreign technologies, because even though you don't know what it is, that's their job. Like that's what they specialize in in taking stuff. They don't know and figuring out how it works. So if that's the case with Roswell and these things that they've actually been going to Wright Patterson air force base, maybe that's why they're in a hurry to get this thing there because they're like, we already have Bodies are right, Patterson Air Force Base that we've, you know, done autopsies on. We've studied. We've just never had one this fresh. So that's why they're like the rush is well, on. It make a lot of sense like, to study the, the the anatomy to figure out how to like use their machinery. Yeah, right. Like that would be that's interesting. Right. So that's what I that's what I kind of thought when I was like when I like alarm bells were going off. I'm like, man, it, that kind of to me points again to right, Patterson Air Force Base. Being more than meets the eye, transformer. Yeah, more than meets right? like the there's, eye. Uh, I think I I still think that's where you're taking these at this time. Maybe not now, but at this time, that's where you're taking any of this shit is to that foreign technologies division. Anger eighteen. Yeah. Yep. So according to Richard Hall's book that was published in early 2000 you had uh, two days later morse and the other participants of the uh, that were involved in the event were actually taken to wright patterson air force base and there they underwent uh interrogation and were warned not to speak specifically not to speak about the incident so he okay there was one report that stood out to me when he's talking because he's like oh yeah you know i you know i talked to you know xyz they they gave me their badge and stuff their identities have been verified but he goes like he's like you know there was two you know two officers one holding a pipe and a civilian i was like what one holding a pipe i was like like to beat sherlock. you with mm. uh, like i wasn't sure but now i'm thinking like yeah maybe a sherlock pipe but yes. I, in my head when he was like it was a very intimidating interrogation i was like well yeah if motherfuckers sitting there Smacking a pipe against his hand. You're not going to talk, eh? See? 
so uh, I know. And then after this, apparently, all of the all of the people involved. You just give me the old yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, according to Morse, it, this precipitated him being uh, deployed overseas, and he was sent to another Air Force base in Okinawa, and then other like. Uh, like he implies that all of the people who participate in this were all sent to different far flung, uh, like far flung bases, like way outside. So they were unable to communicate with each other or to make it at least more difficult for them to communicate about what happened that night. So they're all kind of gone, sent out to whatever. Uh, so yeah, uh, you had this kind of story bouncing around for a while. So you had it in 1978. This actually the the, the events in question occurring, mm. but you have the uh, and it kind of just sat around for a while. It's like the story, like it, once it came out in 1985 at the MUFON conference, you know, published in the the one paper by by uh, Stringfield. You have the. Uh, uh, later on, it's like almost like 20 years later, you had NIDS get involved. So this is another kind of little facet to the story. So uh, if everybody remembers NIDS, everybody's favorite National Institute for Discovery Science, Science, those boys out, Woo! they hang out in Skinwalker Ranch, OGs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they went in to actually investigate the events that were associated with this, uh, this report. So the deputy director at the time was Dr. Colm Keller, uh, whose specialty, as you know, according to them, is cattle mutilations. I guess you can make that a specialty, I suppose. Um, and he tasked a special investigator uh, named Roger Pinson, who was a, uh, at the time, I think he was a uh, retired police officer, uh, an investigator. Um, I think he was kind of like worked in the kind of the security field uh, following that, but he was tasked with investigating the actual, uh, the reports of this, of the events of 1978. Now, the thing is, is it, it, what I find kind of interesting is the way that NIDS went into this. Now, we know NIDS has been out there, you know, intimately involved with some of the things uh, that were going on on Skinwalker Ranch and even in parts of uh, like the uh, the ATIP, like part mm-hmm. of them reaches into there as well because they were involved with extraterrestrial um, – I think they, they're kind of like on the sidelines with the uh, the extraterrestrial – Materials that had been recovered that were reported to have been recovered at some point when we're in their possession or at least in possession of Bigelow airspace, but at Bigelow who runs NIDS, uh, until it was disbanded in 2004. But prior to that, they had this investigation going into 2000, uh, into these, the, the events of, you know, January 1978. Now, if if you want to, you can look it up. Like you, I, I would suggest that everybody kind of look it up because like Roger Pinson's investigation is a pretty solid uh, way um, and well documented investigation into something of this. Now, when Pinson went through most of those things, he did a lot of legwork, did a lot of phone calls, a lot of uh, contacting people. Uh, in the course of the investigation, Pinson said that he managed to interview at least several former McGuire Air Force Base officials and. These officials that he got in contact with didn't give any corroborating evidence of the events that were reported by Morse. That's because they were threatened with their families being killed. Well, no, or just just being shipped away from your families. Like, hey, you want to talk about this? You're going to Okinawa, my friend. 
And so this would be, I mean, this was 20 years, this is almost like I said, 20 years after the fact. So this is 2000 is when the investigation started. The threat so, slinger. <laughs> and uh, so when he talked to at least, he said, four senior military officers who were stationed at McGuire Air Force Base at the time of the incident were interviewed uh, by Roger Pinson and uh, who was experienced and, and reported to have extensive training in interviewing and interrogation techniques, uh, as well as detection of deception, which I don't know. Yeah, okay. really yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Detection um, of deception. I can smell a lie. <laughs> uh, and, and most of these interviews were, I, I believe they were all pretty much, like they were all performed over the phone, which is, you know, I, he didn't, I don't think he met with any of them in person. Uh, at least one of the ones that he had the most uh, correspondence with, like all of the conversations were held by phone. Um, but here, here's the thing, you know what, I'll say this, you know, the, the last line of the, of these, all these officers responded insisting that um, they should have known about the incident if it occurred. Well, maybe they should have had it been reported properly, but like this happened at three in the morning. And by the time this other groups coming in and picking it up, it's all just getting rugs like swept under a rug before it goes anywhere. Right. Like maybe like maybe that's how it operates. When these, when these military officers come in for their nine to five shift or whatever the fuck they do. Right. It's, it's already been cleaned, wrapped, right. No more reporting. It's sealed. Right, it's, they're just like, yeah, up. go on, don't worry about it. Go up, go back on with your day. Right, you're just next thing you know, you're reading logs for the next day, keeping work. Right, you you told to pay no mind to it. Right, by a higher up. Why would you remember that? Right, if someone if someone came into me tomorrow at my work and was like, hey, uh, don't worry about what happened at six. I just need you to go sweep the floor. I'd go, okay, I'll go sweep yeah, the floor. But, but like the the levels of people that would have been involved in this, like even to the local police, were involved in it. Yeah, but and the only person you're getting any fucking information from is the Morse Morse guy. Like, I don't know. There's so many fucking different they're, agencies. They're, you have two different fucking. You have Army and and fucking Air Force. You have local police. You have fucking gunshots being shot. Like, I don't the know. Threats I feel like to there's their gonna family be more were extreme, and that's why they all kept their mouth shut. Right, or or just like yeah, yeah you're just you're gonna get de- demoted and stuff, and and you're gonna go nowhere. Like yeah, they're, but they're this gonna, happened in seventy. These guys are fucking retired now. Let's talk about it. Um, yeah, deathbed confessions. Let's go. Well, didn't didn't Moore say in the interrogation that they made him sign something that was basically like he was liable for life for like keeping quiet? Like they they made him sign documents that he said it had something to do with that they were binding for life. The documents that he signed, yeah, or he, he was led to believe some sort of document that that put him on the hook for being pretty much like, you can't talk about this ever. Right. So if, <laughs> if he's, if other people are doing this and they're like, well, I signed this thing. I don't want to be fucking, I don't want to get fucked over here. Right. Like I could lose everything. Right. It's easier for me just to say, no, it didn't happen. Right. And, and it's gone. Right. I'm they sure a lot have, of people would do that. There would have had to be some type of cover up though. That's what I don't, they're like with the amount of five gunshots, that close in between two military bases. Like I don't, I just have a real tough time with it. it the other thing is, is one of the things that was, uh, was issued as a piece of evidence was like a, a some, like an incident report. And Dan, I kind of wanted to ask you about this particular piece because one of the things about the incident report was the incident report was said like this was an evidence of a hoax because the incident report, while it looked real, like it was said to have like uh pay ranks instead of, like actual ranks and more said, well, this wasn't the official 
this wasn't the official document, like the official incident report. He he said that we would write up incident reports prior to submitting official ones so that they could be reviewed before you would file us like a official one. Uh, and this is how we kind of did it unofficially. Now in your time in the Navy, did you have to do any reports where you would write, you know, you would write an informal report uh, first report um, pre-report. Um, in my line of work, when I was in the Navy, I didn't have to write reports. I kept logs. We had engineering logs. And so with engineering logs, usually you didn't really keep like two copies. Sometimes we would if it was something weird, like like when the logs get fucked up, like you've, you you know, yeah. you manage to drop them in the bilge and they fucking get all wet and all this shit. Um, you know, you would keep like two logs sometimes just to be like, okay, here's one, whatever. And here's one that looks nice. And here's the one that's like I'm actually taking like whatever. Usually it wasn't. It's was kind of frowned on to frowned upon to do that. But that's yeah. Uh, in my line of work, it's frowned upon to do that too. Uh, but but, to. but is it? Hey, let's say Andrew, your friend of a friend. I I know it's frowned upon, but is I bet that happens a lot where guys write their report, write a rough draft, send it to a union rep or something in an email. Right? Hey, take a peek at this before I submit it officially. Yeah, well, you get somebody to read it over before you submit it, yeah. right? And we and we so, had to sometimes we had to rewrite logs, like something maybe got a you know miscommunicated or something like that. And then once it's on the log, like our our whole rule of thumb was like you get three lineouts, which is like you be you get to three corrections. That's it. If you took down the wrong number or you misread a gauge or something and you read it wrong, you get three lineouts, and then you have to rewrite the whole log. So. um you know, it is possible that you know you can write these things out, but yeah, there, there's a there's a bit of few questions about that document as to whether it was an actual official document or it was you know if it was actually real uh, at the thing. I think one of the at least in Pinson's investigation uh, when he did it, and he was talking to one of the officers who had been on McGuire Air Force Base and would have had knowledge or reported to have. Uh, said that they would have had intimate knowledge of this if it had occurred. They said uh, when Pinson presented him with this, the 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 document that Morse had kind of submitted as evidence, they said that the uh, there there was a certain section that was referring to kind of like uh, what was it? It was like unfounded or something like that stuff that had been unconfirmed information that had been unconfirmed. And it, when he pointed to that, uh, the Air Force Base official kind of said, no, we wouldn't do that because you only write down the facts. You only write down what can be corroborated, what can be confirmed. You wouldn't write down. um, I mean, of course, that could also lend credence to the point that you said that it was like a rough draft, that they were just writing down like, this isn't confirmed yet, so you know, we wouldn't hand this one in or something like that. So um, I mean, I guess it could, you know, you could put it on both sides, I suppose, (laughs) if you really wanted to. But my my thing is this. It's like I could imagine Morse in his position being like, okay, well, I have access to my unofficial reports that I write before I hand in my my official one. And then when you give the official one off, it's like it's that's handed off, it's gone. So it's like, especially in nineteen seventy eight, like, you know, obviously doing on the typewriters, you're doing it by hand, like uh it would make sense that he would have access to a copy that, you know, it's kind of frowned upon for you to be doing. Yeah, but what do you but it's do? kind of standard put that in your personal files? Like, I don't know. I just, it, it's not official then. I, I wouldn't yeah, but take, may, he could but have, here's fuck, the thing though. He could have jotted it, anything he fucking wanted on there. He didn't submit it to anybody. He could have okay, just made so the whole entire fucking thing up. 
Guy you're went and saw there. Close Encounters two months ago and came up the you're fucking fantastic there, Andrew. story. You're sitting there, You're sitting there. You've seen this. You've you've seen the sh- shooting. You've seen the body. You're writing your report, right? You write your rough draft and then you submit it. And then you're looking at your rough draft, right? And you're like, I know I should throw this in the garbage. But I also saw an alien body. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I'm also not in the military and I'm not going to get like that fucking, <laughs> that's fucking high level of fuckery, boys. Yeah, but there's high level of fuckery everywhere. Yeah, but you're not just getting a slap on the wrist for that. You're like, dead. That's, fuck that. Yeah. Right? I, I don't know. Hence <laughs> why he's using a fake name to report this shit. Yeah, it's a, uh, could very possibly be. So it's, yeah, the, the entire case is it's it's wild. Like the entire thing is wild. Like you have everything that's it's kind of nuts. You got you got shots fired. You've got UFOs flying around a military base. All the hallmarks of a great uh you know uh UFO cover up. Uh, strange blue beret. You know men in black showing up, uh, retrieving this extraterrestrial body, flying it to Wright Patterson Air Force Base. But again, it's like you really only have the two sources. We have the two sources. You have Morse. You have Morse. Uh, and the in the correspondence that he had with Stringfield and and Hall, and then you have uh, Filer uh, who came forward later. Um, but th- the thing is, like they knew of Filer. Filer, I think, went on record saying that he had knowledge of the events, um, but it, the details of what he actually knew didn't really come out until that book was published in two thousand nineteen, I believe. Um, his, his whole version, the details of what kind of happened leading up to that, he's really had. Uh, before that, you really just had what what Morse had told that he had been dispatched. They had no knowledge of the the shooting or anything like that. It's just like they had found that alien and just that it had been shot. Like that was it. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 a, it's a cool little one, and it's kind of it kind of sits down there on the back. And I believe I, I, I know this. I don't think Greer had anything to do with this one. I think. Uh, uh, what I found kind of interesting was the, the, this weird thing when I went into the report about NIDS was uh, was N- how how NIDS uh, who is involved with stuff like Skinwalker Ranch and UFOs and uh, you know Bigelow uh, who kind of you know has a hard on for this stuff and uh, how they were really hard on Stephen Greer like they brought up Greer like in two thousand and they were like. Greer's a fucking con man. Like they really, really hate Stephen Greer for some reason. <laughs> There's this weird animosity in the in the uh, like their published newsletter, um, you know, which included research into this case file and then some other things. And they talk about like they talked about how Greer and like Greer has no idea what he's doing, and it's it's kind of whole thing. So I found this kind of like I found that really interesting. This is just this weird little schism between uh, Greer, who some people. You know, a, a lot of people consider legit, and you know he he brought a lot of stuff out into the open with his his sources, and um, you know the documentaries that he put out was it was phenomenon. No, dis, what was the one that he put phenomenon, out? Phenomenon, big one. Disclosure, serious. I mean, yeah, he's he did a, a couple, he's but a yeah, it's um, all the, the stuff that he put out, sea steady stuff, and right, and then you have five app or whatever. <laughs> And then you have Nids in there who is like, you know, they're posing themselves, I guess, as a, a legitimate investigate, you know, scientific investigative squad or whatever and institution. And and they go in there and they're telling that, you know, Greer's full of shit. Like, so weird. Um, like, <laughs> the, the, the aspect of this that I really like that, you know, makes me believe that there's a, 
great. Like maybe it's not all true, but I, I believe this account. I believe something fucked up happened at this base. Um, is that for me, it's like, yeah, they say no cooperating evidence. There wasn't then, but like now when you look at the whole like spectrum of like all the UFO stories we've ever told, like this story corroborates with a ton of others Right where this person would have Morse would have no idea that like he to tie this stuff in, right? But like looking back now, you can you can look at this and be like, man, like the UFO was buzzing the bases. There are so many accounts of that. We we have confirmations of that actually happening from the U.S. government now. Uh, them creating this thing off in in the middle of the night in some like rushed fashion to Wright Patterson Air Force Base, where you know we know. <laughs> about they had some sort of foreign technologies division like this guy these kind of weird things line up for me where i'm like if this guy was trying to hoax it in he wouldn't have known this other information well, well i know enough, like this, he wouldn't have had the broad come, this didn't come out till 85 right at that mufon conference now but even like, then was that's all not this, enough info well no i know but what i'm saying basically what i'm trying to say is like did all of this come out in that report or has stuff been added to this story as times been going on because this wasn't even. This wasn't further investigated till what two thousand and one. No, this came out with the like the most of the information. Like I said, the uh, not the details preceding up to where Morse enters the story. All of that was kind of added by Filer later, and then the, the um, uh, but the the parts about the the retrieval of the body, um, the UFOs, like that that part. That's all part of. Uh, that was all part of Stringfield's report. That that paper that he he. He published in uh, 1985 for the MUFON conference. It's interesting, right? Like that to me, that where I'm like, God damn, man! Like he he lined a lot of stuff up when he wouldn't have known that it lined up. You know what I mean? Like for him, he he didn't have the full picture of of what we know now about all these like UFO encounters and stories and uh, what's what's gone on, right? So to me. Looking back at this now, I give it more credibility. I think I'm like, I think something did happen there, and I think that there was a, a big, big cover up. They shot an alien. The first, so what are you thinking? I think they fucking shot an alien, and they packed it up. They took it to Wright Patterson. They put it in Hangar 18 in the fucking pink jelly we talked about, and it's been sitting there ever since. And now we say, oh, there's been might have been too many people. Someone would have came forward. What if the fucking neuralizer is a real device and they actually just Absolutely. wiped fucking memory? There you go. I think you cracked it. Yeah, it's called LSD. <laughs> <laughs> 78 was, we're in 78. We're in peak. We're in MK Ultra time here. Are we not? Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, what you think you saw, you did not see. Drink this water. They're using LSD darts. Fucking yeah. shooting them at you. Just jump, dump a big bag and like the the fucking cafeteria coffee, just like the pink coffee yeah. pot, just dip it all in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, cheers, everyone. <laughs> cheers and coffee. And then, yeah, an order, son. And then people say, man, I could have swore I found an alien on the tarmac last night. He was no, shot. Was five my hands are talking to me. That's way more interesting. All right. And they're like, oh, we better the do Snozberries a- taste like snozberries. We better so do a, a fucking drug, te- drug test on Johnson over there. And all of a sudden he's got <laughs> record amounts of LSD in his system still. And they're like, yeah, no. Base-wide announcement. Drug tests have been suspended for the next month. <laughs> <laughs> Mandatory drug testing has been suspended for the next month. Right? Well, then they threaten you. Then they bring you into an interrogation room, threaten you, be like, hey, listen, you're never going to talk about this shit again, or we're going to like discharge you uh, for being a drug addict. We have your test results, 
right? And we're going to ruin your life. I think, I think there'd be a fifth. Well, more reports about people life, getting tested at LSD. The entire get, military base. Hey, listen, you couldn't get listen, jobs Dan, anymore. There's tons, there's tons of reports mm. of people getting dosed with LSD. <laughs> There I is. Mean, yes. well, Morris's life was ruined. <laughs> he couldn't get work after this or anything, and he used a fucking pseudonym. Yeah, Mor- Morris uh, cites this as an uh, as the why he found uh, difficulty finding employment post uh, the event. Because he's a fucking alien murderer. Murder. Yeah, no, Morris PTSD. didn't shoot him. It was the other guy. Oh, was he was. He guy. was. Um, he was. What's it when you call it? It's not a willing participant, but you're like an accomplice. He was there. He, he, he didn't do anything to stop it. He didn't do anything. He was to an stop accomplice. It. Yeah. Right. He was. I mean, the one thing for the story that is obviously hard to get wrap her head around is why just the one alien? Where was his buddies in the craft? Why? Yeah, why they just know. drop him off? Was it like because he was he was the one that they let out to preach the good news, just like that fucking guy on Sentinel Island or whatever that went out there with the Bible <laughs> and then the fucking <laughs> the last they shot island him with arrows. They shot him with arrows. <laughs> the, the last same island thing. on the same Earth. Thing. Right? History yeah. repeats itself. Yeah, I'm gonna go talk to these guys. Um, the last island to be infiltrated on Earth was that island, and some ballsy Christian was like, "I can do it." No, Have you, you guys can't. heard the good news? Nope. Arrow in the face. Maybe, maybe the alien. Well, maybe the alien was on a fucking night mission. You know, if when you're like back in high school, you could do night missions, and there's a fucking abandoned car on the Coquihalla for like a few weeks, and it's got a nice sound system. Like, all right, I'm gonna drop you off. I'm gonna swing around the block. You smash the window. You grab the speaker box. I'll be right back. You jump in the car and we drive away. Maybe that's what the ET was thinking. His buddies are up hovering above. They drop him off. He doesn't get very far. He doesn't speak the language. He got blasted. He got blasted. And they're like, oh, fuck. And they just take off. Just leave him. Run. <laughs> uh, the other thing that would kind of make sense to me is that, you know, perhaps he was just the only one shot. Like there was others running around, but they, that's the only one that they, they, like, only one they saw in the saw. headlight. I mean, if they didn't yeah. see him in the headlight, they probably wouldn't have seen him at all. It's a fucking cool case, though. I mean, we have, there's not too many where an alien is shot, like at least claimed to be shot. Like this has got to be the only one. Yeah, at least with the ones that we had, that it's it's like stuff has been shot, but the bodies have never been recovered. You know, like this one of actually yeah. having an alien being fired upon it's by a confrontation, you know, a between, weapon. Yeah, a confrontation between alien and military security. And shot him five times. And then found the body. You know, yeah, I mean, there's there's other accounts of probably of, of, of extraterrestrials being fired at, or you know, other extraterrestrials or other types of beings or stuff being shot at, or maybe clipped. And you know, there's there's reports of uh, what was the one that we uh, even the the one we talked about the um, blast cryptid we talked about the um, just slipping my mind right now. Um, oh, Dan's heart need, need to recharge. Yeah, forgetting. <laughs> Uh, when we talked about our last, like even cryptids, like being shot and being wounded or something like that, you've seen that, but yeah, but not, not a lot an of bodies, actual yeah. body being recovered. Um, that that's something, or you know, recovering bodies, even like the Roswell report of Roswell, or like the Aztec UFOs, where it's like you have mm. bodies that are recovered after the fact, like that they died in the crash or shortly after, but having an actual uh, military personnel fire on an alien and then have that body recovered is something that's uh, you don't hear about very often. Yeah, it's a fucking cool one, nonetheless. All right, well, let us know your thoughts. We want to know, what you, look at this case. You've listened to the case file. What do you think? Do you think uh, there's some underlying uh, uh, cover-up here that lines up with a lot of things, or is it a lot of hoo-ha? You let us know in the comments. Um, we want to hear. We want to know what you think. Hell yeah. If, if you're 
uncle is one of these people that have been sitting in silence and they're, you know, they're now 88. We want to hear a deathbed confession. Call in the cosmic channels. Let us know. Imagine that. Imagine we got someone. Like I was on the air force base back in 1978. I was there. I know what I saw. (laughs) (laughs) I seen it. Fun case file. Uh, Who do we got this week for theorite of the week? Ooh, this week, Theorite of the Week. You know, there's a ton, ton of ways you can become Theorite of the Week, but one of the easier ways, well, it's not easier. It's got to be good, but just head to wherever you can give us a five-star review and drop us a nice, thoughtful five-star review, and maybe you will end up Theorite of the Week, just like RBD Jack from Canada. He gave us a five-star review. It's called Unsin Conspiracy Five Star. First off, I can't stop listening. From Northern Alberta, former FSJ BC resident. I'm three months in and I finally got to episode 105. And that's all while driving for work. Eight to ten hours a day. Uh, five two shifts. So five on, two off. From meat draw drunk to no more prolapsers. That's a sad day. Love this show, and I try to recommend it to everyone I can. Keep it up, guys. The title is for the Titanic episode and Braden's mush mouth. (laughs) 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 Unsin? Unsin conspiracy? Uh, 100% recommendations to anyone looking for good belly laughs while tearing up and wanted to catch up on some knowledge. Lebanese Mongoose, Zell, Braden, Dan, Mr. Conspiracy, Andrew, <laughs> Ozzy, bye. They all rock. Cheers. Uh, Here's to the next 100 plus to catch up on. Cheers. RBD Jack from Canada. Hey, thanks, buddy. That's what we do this for. Uh, everyone, you know, slaving away. And hope, hopefully this uh, helps you uh, get through your day a little better. Uh, Speaking of that, if you want to help us help you, patreon.com uh, easiest way to support the show we do this for free everything you get from us is for free you can always get it for free but if you feel so inclined we got a ton of bonus stuff for you right? mm-hmm. so if you like the show and you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast uh, donate to us and in return we will also give you probably what 250 hours of bonus content at least at least, at least. you got after hours confidentials nerds you got the mongoose collection, all the mongoose files in one place. You got, you know, all the skits in one place, uh, compilations. You got everything. Sports. Everything you ever want. Co-conspirators. Andrew and Danime. Dad Bob. D&D. And nerds. The fabled Ouija number three. No, you don't want to listen to that. No, you fucking don't want to listen to it. It's all on there. Scrub it. Get rid of it. And the best of all, if you hate ads, it's ad-free. And early, a week early, actually, I do believe, is what we've been uh, striving for lately. And this week's newest supporters, the newest beauties, the newest members of the Theorite community, we got Kimberly Venenix Schwanathan. Interesting spelling, new, new one for me. Manny the Great, Sheldon Coates, Xander Coates, back to back. Family members? Siblings? 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 Cousins? Hey, Xander, just to let you know, you, Sheldon's beating you. Yeah, he plays more. <laughs> Bagel Island. Interesting. I hope that's a company. If it is, oh. order some bagels. Send us some bagels. Please. Bekong171, thank you very much for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. 
And as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. See you in after hours. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.